0: galaxy lights, Coachella, lightning bolt necklaces. 2023 was the year of Scandaval. On March 3rd, one cheating scandal launched a reality TV investigation that generated hundreds of conspiracy theories, thousands of podcast episodes, and millions of dollars in revenue. I'm Jody Walker, host of An American Scandival. one retrospective story told in three salacious parts.
1: and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app.
2: Hello and welcome to Group Chat. I am Justin Verrier, and joining me for this festive episode, Rob Mahoney, Big Waz.
0: Rob, are you feeling the spirit of Christmas coursing through this podcast? It's flowing through me, but I thought our exercise today was to bring the bitterness, to bring our inner Scrooges out in the airing of (laughs) grievances. So I don't know what energy you want me to bring to this pod, Justin.
2: Why do you think I'm so excited to start this off here? This is the NBA Festivus. This is now an annual tradition we do before the Christmas Day games. Uh, throughout ESPN and ABC, I'm, I'm sure you guys who are listening will all take part in that. Uh, but I told these guys before we started the other day that I've been keeping a running list of my gripes for a few weeks now. I've been checking it twice.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think most people, you know, they keep a running list of, you know, maybe movies <laughs> they want to watch, maybe restaurants they want to check out. You, Justin <laughs> Barrier, just, just uh,
3: <laughs> scores to settle. A running the list of, of NBA things that pisses you <laughs> off, like the stereotypical Northeast aggro bro oh. that you are, Justin. This is true. We can only be ourselves,
2: <laughs> and for me, <laughs> that is just being annoyed by the smallest of things that cross my path on any <laughs> given night of uh, NBA watching. Uh, I think a lot of these will probably save for the Patreon. I don't know if... Those can really make Mm. it to, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are also listening to this, you know, maybe traveling for the holidays. Maybe they have kids in the back. So we don't want to go too spicy for them, but uh, (laughs) we've got some good stuff in store for you. Um, Should we jump right into it?
0: Yeah, I I think you need to lead us off. I mean, this is just a season. I I want to hear where you want to go first.
2: Well, first of all, because this is Festivus, we have to get in the spirit. And so if you have watched Seinfeld, which is what this is based off of, Uh, there is a pole,
0: I guess, for this made-up holiday. An aluminum pole, um, uh, some kind of metal Um, pole of some some kind.
2: I did not have a pole handy, but I do have a broom. And to this broom, (laughs) I've affixed a black and white cutout of Vasily Michich. Because this is is the spirit that we're bringing to this show. Why Why is
3: Michich on the broom? Yeah, what, is, what are we doing with this prop? Like, please explain this. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't know, just I your, wanted
2: to make it NBA related. And so that seemed right to me at the time.
3: Okay. I, I love <laughs> that you have a printer in your home. Shouts to you for that. And with no color, use, by the way. <laughs> with no color. <laughs> and, and using, using it uh for, for purposes of this pod, man. I, I hope that's in the prop budget.
0: Yeah, but just to explain the depths of our depravity with this visual bit, Justin held up this broom <laughs> with Vasily Micic uh, taped onto it. And I was squinting, uh-huh. wondering earnestly, is that Vasily Micic? Like, why? And is it a dated photo? Is that even a Thunder Media Day photo?
2: I think it's a, a Serbian national team photo. Dang. Unfortunately, the, the Thunder photo I found was too small. Uh, uh-huh. And so it was a little too pixelated because, again, I do not have color on my printer apparently. <laughs> um, but you know, kind of looks like Toss Mellis. I, I keep saying to myself, <laughs> so it's just like you know, having a friend. No, I see
0: it. I'd I can see, see the crossover for sure. Maybe a promising career for you know Tass jumping in, tagging in, getting some occasional thunder rotation minutes.
2: Okay. Well, hopefully this prop is uh, doing well on TikTok. Hopefully we're doing numbers off of this one.
0: Um, well, what do you want right, to say to Vasily? In. You know, like what what do you want to aim at him as we get? festivus off started.
2: Uh nothing at him because he's someone I do not have a gripe with. Okay. He, he's he's the good in this world, which is what mm. I assume the poll mm. represents. Um I'm going to start slow here, okay? Because my first gripe is for NBA officials, which I mm. assume a lot of you guys might be on board with this one. The calling for technicals for hanging on the rim has Get just gotten out absolutely get off it out rails here. Get it out of here. Get it guys out. are just like trying to avoid not stepping on somebody and they're getting called for the text. And honestly, if guys want to hang on the rim, go for it. This is starting to cross into NFL, no fun league. We don't want guys yeah. to celebrate sort of territory. Uh, and we need to get this the fuck out of here.
0: When you dunk, you should have three seconds to do literally whatever you want. Like <laughs> If you want to pump the ball in the stands... If you want to taunt an opponent, if you want to rip your jersey off, I think you get two to three seconds to celebrate in whatever manner you deem appropriate. So the idea that we're preventing guys from, one, hanging on the rim as an act of celebration when, objectively, hanging on the rim is cool, or two, as an act of protection when the reality is often they're just like looking below them to make sure they don't land on anybody. It's ridiculous.
3: Also, they're creating a disadvantage for their own team by hanging on the rim, right? And so, like, these two, while they're hanging on the rim, they're not getting back on defense against certain type of teams. Like, the Pacers immediately come to mind. Like, that'll kill you on defense. So, like, yeah, let these dudes... Do this if they want to have fun at the expense of a defensive possession. I don't see why the refs should be trying to get in the way. And like you guys said, it's not like these guys are hanging on forever. I remember when people used to do the hang and then they would shake themselves on the rim
1: and do oh, all yeah.
3: that. They're not even doing that. They're not doing that. They're just hanging for, you know, longer than whatever the the rule book says is allowed, you know, 0.5 seconds or whatever it is. Yeah, we need to get that out ASAP.
2: I might even stretch this to say that technicals in general have been a little too quick whistled. Like I was watching the game last night between the Lakers and the Timberwolves. And like Nas Reed, I believe it was, just went to contest the shot accidentally, it seemed, hit. Rui Hachimura in the face, and they called that a flagrant. I'm like, how? What are guys supposed to do at this point? Like, it's just. I think this. You watch it on slow mo, and it seems so much more violent than it's intended to be. It's just. It's kind of gotten out of control.
0: Yeah, especially so many of these games are extended dialogues between the officiating crews, and usually like a, a couple of very vocal spokespeople on both teams who are constantly lobbying, 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 and it can get annoying and it can get distracting. And to Waz's point about hanging on the rim, it can be a big problem in transition defense if you're constantly complaining to the officials. But then you see some refs who are just like one word in the first quarter, technical. One wrong word in the first quarter, Nikola Jokic, and you're ejected from this game. Like There's no place for any of that stuff. I think we have to have room for these guys to be people, for them to be frustrated, for them to be able to voice those frustrations. We all want to watch them play. So there should be a pretty high barrier to actually throwing someone out of these games. So I don't know if that's just the second technical, if that's just the flagrant two, but we definitely don't need to be removing good players from the court for being a little pissed off.
3: Also, the most hilarious thing about how technicals are adjudicated right now is that the most flagrant abusers get the most leeway. So like Draymond and Luca do the most ridiculous ref hounding that exists in the NBA and they're allowed to take it so freaking far. And then a dude who barely ever, you know, raises his voice at an official might say, hey, man, what was that? And he gets teed up immediately. It's just ridiculous how we do this right now.
0: As far as the hanging on the rim specifically, I floated uh, an idea about this earlier in the season. I, I genuinely think this would work. If you hang on the rim and you break the basket. You have to pay for it, but that's the only <laughs> oh. punishment. It's not bad. No tech, no technical. Just like it's basically amounts to a little bit know. of a fine if you break company property.
3: Yeah, I, I, f- I seen- feel like s- s- some people could file a grievance because it's skewed against some of our girthier NBA players. You know, it's, it's discriminatory. That law is, you know, implicit bias. Rob,
0: like you don't think Austin Reeves is up there breaking a
3: basket? <laughs> not
2: yet so. <laughs> i have seen them pull out the the tape measure the like the what's the one with the little like uh, floating dot and like that looks like a lava lamp in it uh thing. like a la-
0: like a level like a laser level
2: yeah level i've seen them br- break that out way too much as well i wonder if the two things are related that like mm. people are so finely manicured about how the rim looks and whatnot that it's trickling down into the hanging on the rim thing so yeah let's get the, the fuck out though
0: I have another officiating grievance while we're on the refs. Uh, Mm. Sure. Referees need to stop fixing the score in the middle of the game. This whole thing where you can go back and review a potential shot clock violation, whether a guy's foot was on the line, call it in the moment. And if it gets challenged, then let's review it. But this like Secaucus is constantly checking every play, fact checking to make sure the refs are correct. It's getting a little ridiculous. And a week or so ago, I saw one that was really bizarre. This was in the first quarter of the game between the Mavs and the Wolves. Luka hit a step-back three with like two minutes left in the first quarter of that game. It was ruled good. There was no clock issue, nowhere near a buzzer. Three points go up on the board. End of the first quarter, those three points get pulled back because Mm. somebody in Secaucus reviewed the possession and Luka had stepped on the sideline during his step back. (laughs) If every play that happens on an NBA court is subject to a constant internal review that you might have stepped out of bounds, nothing productive is going to happen here. (laughs) And why out of bounds but not checking for travels? Why out of bounds but not calling fouls for contact retroactively? Why, Why is out of bounds the one thing we can apparently go back in time and reverse even though the referees didn't call it in real time?
2: Is this a police state? What is going on here?
0: This is what I'm saying,
2: yeah. Justin. Yeah.
3: This is this is the Patriot Act of NBA basketball, <laughs> if we're being honest, because I, I look, I know it was like well-intentioned when I, football sort of pioneered this replay thing. And I think baseball got got involved. Um, with reviewing the homers. And then the NBA was like, well, we need to have our own replay, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, we've we've gone down the rabbit hole and it's awful. It's only going to beget more and more stoppages to review stuff. Empower these guys to make the calls on the floor. Let's move on. I don't know that we'll ever get rid of instant replay. And I think you know, like the challenges and stuff. I love that it's one challenge per game. And if you get it right, all right, cool, we'll give you, so you get two at the max. We don't need any more than that. Yeah. But man, I I don't think we need it at all. Um, I think human error, human judgment should be a part of the game of what we're watching. And we should entrust these people to be competent enough to call what they see, man. And if it doesn't happen, them be the breaks. Yes. Sports are supposed to be a little bit messy.
0: And the fact that, you're coming out of a timeout now and the score has changed from when you went into the timeout because of a play that happened three minutes ago, I'm out of it. You're, Justin, you're, you're spot on. This We, we don't want to live in the police state. This shit is like the red light camera of the NBA and I don't like it.
2: Too much CCTV going on out there. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't think the excessive amount of of challenges is for the fans, for the viewers. I think it's for the referees because you have people like Daryl Morey putting out 20 page book reports about all the calls that they get wrong and doing that in a very public way during the playoffs. And it looks so bad on the referees that they have to make sure that they get every fine detail, right? Or else people are going to complain about this. Mark Cuban back in the day was kind of in the similar vein. And so I understand the impulse from officials to want to make sure that they are right, but I do think we're crossing a threshold where it's like, right is is sacrificing entertainment value, quite frankly.
0: Here's my compromise. You can do all of those measures to protect officials if officials are publicly available for interview and to answer for their calls. But so long as we're going to keep them behind the curtain, there's so many measures to protect officials from having to face any kind of public scrutiny. I don't think we also need to be auditing every call they make and changing them during the course of a game, unless it's an official challenge.
2: Although, have you read some of those pool reports, especially the ones lately, which seem to be triggered way more often than I can ever imagine? Like this, we're like reaching a a a, a, a peak of of uh, pool reports going on here. Um, Apex Mountain of of pool reports. <laughs> they just don't say anything. They don't actually explain. No. They're thinking. And so it is kind of rote and doesn't really help at all.
3: And for the people at home, to my understanding, like media, people can request this like a uh, FOIA. You know what I mean? Like, yes. be yeah, like that's Yo, the we process. need the pool report for such and such call. It's like people are like literally asking the NBA for these stupid ass breakdowns. Well, not just
0: media members, but I saw a first, I think it was in this same game against the Timberwolves where, Luca also got an early tech in that game and requested to the courtside media, please ask the officials in a pool report about that call.
2: Yeah, that was ridiculous. That's crazy.
0: So it's a brave new Although, world. Can I go again? Because
2: Rob has just sparked something in me. The juices are flowing here. Let's go. We're Let's like Easy Jones and, and Billy Dunn. We're just creating... Uh, beautiful music with our gripes.
0: <laughs> um, we have we have just a to- as toxic a relationship, Justin, I can assure you. <laughs>
2: That's true. But it's beautiful in the end. No spoilers. Um, I was watching a football game the other day. I was watching my New York football giants just get absolutely trounced, I believe, on, on Sunday uh, NFL football. And the broadcast booth turned to the in-house official expert and this was someone who wasn't currently employed by the league and they actually criticized not one not two but a handful of the calls that were being made on the field and i was like holy shit i didn't realize you could do this because the way that the <laughs> nba works i believe is they constantly turn to someone who is an active member of the Sea C-Caucus cabal back in the, the, the control room where it has that real dark, almost Batman cave setting. And they turn to this person who, of course, is going to stick up for their fellow referee, who they ostensibly probably yeah. work with. That, so yeah. we need to get away from that. We need division. We need objectivity. Mm. From our broadcasts with the official experts. That's what I'll say.
3: Who- so you don't want to see Steve Javi get thrown to during games? No. You want no the- more Steve Javi. I want wads.
2: That's who I want to throw to. Third parties.
3: <laughs>
0: who watches the Watchmen is what we're asking here on Group Chat. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, the, um, the officials checking officials in the game does not who's work. Who's
3: fact-checking the fact-checkers? <laughs> <laughs> People are wondering, Was On this note, too, we we
0: could also probably apply the same consideration to coaches who do in-game commentary, either play-by-play or usually color, talking about the decisions that other coaches are making in which they are always yeah. correct and right and just. It's okay to criticize someone in your profession. It's okay to... to Say, like, maybe that wasn't the right time to call a timeout. Maybe that wasn't the right substitution. Maybe this wasn't the right defensive scheme for this game. I don't think there's anything wrong with that in the same way that it's okay to look at a human referee and say, they blew that one. They really missed that call. And on a broadcast, it serves your audience to actually point those things out. So what you're saying is we should
2: actually do a bunch of media criticism on this podcast? (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) Uh, Waz, why don't you go with one of yours?
3: yeah so you know I, I tried to keep it like outside of the box a little bit I didn't want to just come in here and be like the Detroit Pistons offense is fucking garbage <laughs> and I'm sick and tired of it and this is my gripe I wanted to go a little bit outside the box one serious one not so serious I want to start with my serious gripe here and it's Pointed towards the players' union, honestly, and I don't like this idea that they're ceding this ground to Adam Silver and giving him autonomy to do shit like suspend people indefinitely. I don't think that's a good idea in the long term. I get it. Like, Adam's done a good job of cultivating a great relationship with the players and the association. And he's been pretty nice to them or whatever. He's cultivated a less antagonistic relationship than his predecessor, David Stern, did. But, you know, think about the the first Joss suspension last year. Where it's just like Lucy goosey figure it out, blah, blah, blah. Maybe he's in therapy. Maybe he's this. He's going to Florida, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, whatever, Adam is and the league are just kind of figuring it out. There's no, okay, this is what the bylines of the collectively bargained agreement is. And this is what Ja falls under. So this will be his games. Whoever doesn't like it, tough shit. This is what the union and the league negotiated. This is how it goes. Instead, it's just Adam doing His thing, going off a vibe. Same with this Draymond situation. Same with Miles Bridges, by the way, who was essentially declared unofficially suspended for last year. Nobody knew exactly what was going on. And then he got his quote-unquote real suspension to start this season. And again, in these cases, especially with Bridges and Draymond, where it's kind of like cut and dry, like these, these dudes did, in Bridges' case, criminal shit. Fucked up shit. And it's like, yeah, we want to punish him. And then Draymond, it's like, yo, this is obviously out of hand. However, what I would like the union to consider in their role here in their quote unquote partnership with the league is that Adam Silver is only nice to you guys in so much as it doesn't affect the people that pay his paychecks. So long as he doesn't have to go against ownership, he has no problem pretending to be the best friend of the fucking players union. But make no mistake, given this level of autonomy, when it's time to crush you on behalf of the owners, he will. And so watching the union, even John's 25 game suspension that they didn't challenge, I thought was ridiculous I just thought it was over the top in how much they suspended Ja for the stupid shit he was doing on IG with guns. And I just think it's a bad um, road to be going down. And yeah, this shit just gets on my nerves.
0: (laughs) A couple of thoughts here. As far as Ja and Draymond specifically, I think what you're seeing is an indefinite suspension for Draymond, an an extensive suspension for Ja based on them being repeat offenders, based on them doing these things several different times it, it, jaws as much as anything felt like a bit of a makeup call for not really suspending him the first time around and i i i think you can argue whether that's a fair approach or not i'm with you was like i would love to put a number of games on this i would love for an actual determination to be made by the league and the union to come to come to some kind of agreement or to make a ruling and have it challenged and let it play out that's all fine But the reason a lot of that stuff doesn't happen in particular with cases like Miles Bridges is because the league is dodging precedent. They don't Mm. want people to say like, oh, Miles Bridges got this, but player X got that. And then you're doing an equivalency game of intimate partner violence versus like, you know, punching a guy on a basketball court, DUI, and any other thing that a player would be suspended for. And so it feels like to me, the league is trying to skirt that stuff as much as it can. And I think that's bullshit, frankly. I think it's a pretty cowardly way to go about this process and really just trying to dodge accountability for how we suspend players for committing actual crimes.
3: Yeah, and with the repeat offender thing, again, I have no problem with, yo, this is what you get for this crime. Um, Draymond, whatever, all of the nonsense he's done kicking people in the nuts, blah, 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 blah. This is what you get for the crime, and because you're, you know, since we're doing (laughs) three strikes type of shit, whatever, whatever. You know what? We add in this extra, and it's based on such and such criteria. Like, these guys should actually have to come out and explain why he's carrying out his job the way that he is, the league office. That's just my opinion. And the players, and again, they might... Interpret Adam's handling as of the Draymond situation, as, you know, on the whole, beneficial the Draymond. Just know it doesn't always end up that way. Okay? Like it's no different than, you know, I'm watching my I'm watching a bunch of people online cry about like the cancellation shit. And I'm just like, yo, like y'all was cool with the canceling shit when it was people you don't like. Now people you do like are getting canceled, right? Like eventually that paradigm is going to swing and the league office is going to use this power against you eventually. And that's why I think they should, you know, tread kind of carefully in how they let Adam and them dictate this stuff.
2: There's definitely a chilling effect. The lack of transparency is, I think, what all of us are kind of rubbing up against because it is weird when Draymond gets suspended And his path forward, as we're told, are these nebulous conditions and terms. And what the league is doing is they are leveraging the fact that nobody wants to come out in defense of what Miles Bridges or Kyrie Irving did. No one is standing for that. But if you try to ding the league, for instance... Uh, for the lack of transparency, it seems like you're supporting those guys, which is not what you're doing, but that's what they're hoping because they, all they wanted to do is shut down the conversation. Totally. It's a PR defense that's just allowing Adam and the league to kind of do what they want. And... I assume the players have gone along with it because it's been in their best interest. Like, for instance, with Draymond, if you put a term to the um, number of games he's suspended, maybe that would be way longer than what he would get if he plays ball and they just kind of shut this shit down and he goes away for a while. But I think you guys are right. I think it could get pretty dicey pretty quickly if something significant happens. And we don't know what's going on because it's all happening behind closed doors.
0: Yeah, this is something you guys talked about a bit when Mike Pino was on, but the idea of the league using mental health language to create some of this ambiguity, it's clearly a smokescreen. It's clearly a curtain that avoids this sort of transparency that we're asking about. You
3: You know what that is, right, Rob? What's that? Is It's your Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi kneeling in kente cloth in the Congress. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what the league is doing with this mental. They're cloaking themselves in the yeah. kente cloth of mental health jargon to protect themselves. It's not what comes first. No. And we know that shit to and be true. It's
0: also not their responsibility. I think this is is. is where we've lost the plot with some of the punishments for players going on right now. It is not the league's responsibility to facilitate Draymond Green's therapy. That's (laughs) not what's happening here, and that's not what he's (laughs) being suspended for. The league needs to check damaging and destructive behavior, not the mental health behind that behavior. That's Draymond's job. And if he can't take care of that stuff on his own, I don't know what to tell you, but it's Demby's that's the why breaks. you give him a set number of games that he's suspended for a set action, for a definitive thing that happened. But if you make it an indefinite period of time as he checks these boxes, as he works through these therapeutic processes, we're just dragging a thing out that doesn't need to be drug out. We're dealing with a
1: problem that's not the league's to solve.
2: I mean, I don't actually want to get too deep into media criticism here, but this is one case where I do feel like it's warranted because one of the critical aspects of media would be to be the watchdog in instances like that. You don't hear shit from media anymore about me. certain things like this. Like These type of conversations are just not happening. And like I feel like even 20, 10 years ago, when things were a little bit more print-based and, and people were more prone to holding... Uh, powerful people accountable in sports has kind of gone by the wayside. And so I'm like, I feel like this type of stuff would wouldn't happen maybe 20 years ago because people would be such an uproar about the fact that there wasn't sort of accountability. There weren't set terms. People would be asking Adam Silver about this type of stuff in press conferences. And that just doesn't exist anymore. I think a lot of it is, frankly, because certain reporters need certain access in order to keep their transactional game going.
0: It's a fair critique. See, we can do media criticism on this pod, Justin. We
2: can. Let's just do a whole separate spinoff pod about that.
0: I have a a more lighthearted bit of media criticism while we're we're going into Mm, this lane. Let's
3: go. Let's
0: do it. This is much more basketball-oriented. The phrase, the best two-way player in the league. (laughs) This is a phrase that gets thrown around a lot in the NBA. The actual meaning is pretty obvious. You know, you're making a big impact on both sides of the ball. You're the best two-way player in the league. Mm -hmm. You know who the best two-way player in the league is? The best player in the league. Yeah. (laughs) Dylan Brooks. You know who are really good two-way players? Steph Curry. Luka Doncic. Tyrese Halliburton. Devin Booker. Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is a better two-way player than Drew Holiday. Even though Drew Holiday is one of the best defenders in the world. So... What sure. are we doing with this? I know sometimes we just make up stuff because we want more words to describe players, but why, why do we do this?
2: So what you have is a semantics gripe. Yes. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, I mean, I think people, which you already know, but just for the sake of laying it out, there's people want to note that they're actually incorporating defense here. Mm. More it's virtue signaling.
3: It's, it's defense <laughs> virtue <laughs> signaling. It's virtue exactly. signaling. It's, it's is, like, guys, uh, I, I think... The stuff that doesn't get you girls is important, too. And I want to make sure everybody knows that I think that it's important. You know, even though I spend most of my time thinking about the dudes that get buckets, the dudes that facilitate offense, I spend most of my time thinking about that, but... You defensive guys who can, you know, execute a dribble between your legs every now and again and make a completely wide open corner to three, one out of every three times. We got to show you some love, too. And so we're going to know that you're two ways. You go both ways. You go defense and you you go offense, too, sometimes a little bit, kind of.
0: Yeah, it's just a shame that those people are like 20 years too late in terms of defense mattering in that kind of way. Like, we live in an offensive league. yeah. And frankly, if you, if you want to think about it on like a 10-point scale, if a guy is a 9 out of 10 on offense and a 3 out of 10 on defense, that's a better player than a guy who's like a 5 out of 10 on offense and an 8 out of 10 on defense. It's just a better player. Close. You
2: know what this is like? This is also in the conversation. So like whenever we yeah. do MVP or, or any sort of awards or best absolutely. team, you get through the first five to 10 to 15 to 20 people, and then you just want to acknowledge someone. And you're like, yeah, just oh, shouting they're out they're in the conversation. Even though we're not actually talking about them, we're actually just acknowledging them and almost affixing them to the actual conversation.
0: Yeah, they're not in the conversation. They're, they're a, you know, a bullet point at the end, a footnote to the conversation. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Like, really an addendum when you you really want to break it down. What it is ultimately, and this is another bit of media criticism, a lack of imagination in how we talk about players, a lack Mm. of definition beyond we can only put them into these certain buckets. It's like if we're not talking about a guy for MVP, then we can't talk about how great he is. Just talk about what he does well. Just talk about the impact he makes on the court. He doesn't have to be in the MVP conversation. He can just be really freaking good.
3: Yeah, and he's in the convo.
0: Another one like
2: this face of the franchise or face of the league face of the league. What does face Mm. of the league actually means? I recognize that there are other aspects to basketball prominence amongst players that go outside of their actual ability. But I think people want to say celebrity, but for some reason they don't want to go that far. And so we say face of the league and so it gets into this nebulous conversation, like what are we actually talking about? Because I think we would agree if we were to have this conversation it'd be LeBron. But when you break it down, it's like, oh well, you know, he like he like talks about stuff sometimes that are important, and it's just it doesn't make sense. It's not an actual thing.
3: I think it's a marketing idea. It's like when the yeah. league sends their packet, their their their, their uh, what you would call it. Um, their deck to Verizon and AT&T for potential partnership and dollars, who do they put on the front page of that pamphlet, right? That's who the face of the league is. To me, it's a marketing and commerce question (laughs) than it is anything else. It's not like, you know, you get this face of the league tag and, you know, all of the freaking Uyghurs in China who are dying, they stick a mic in front of you and they go, China's a league partner. What do you think about the Uyghurs? Like, that, that, like, that's not that's not gonna happen to the quote unquote face of the league. You know what I mean? It's literally yeah. just who they package this thing to when they're trying to sell it to um potential buyers and partners.
0: NBA Waz has checked out, MBA Waz has checked in. <laughs> McKenzie, light up our phones, BCG, let's go.
2: Um, <laughs> All right, I'll go again. I can keep going here. Um <laughs> people, <laughs> people who refer to players on Twitter in their little stand-ups doing their their broadcasting shtick by their nicknames mm, or yeah. by their numbers. Like instead of saying, hey, Steph Curry mm. playing playing really 30. well this season, it's like 30's really got it going I like, this year. I'm, I'm like you are not actually part of the team. This is an extension of like when people say we when they're talking about their team. Like, I kind of don't mind that anymore, if only because, like, maybe working at the ringer, we've been desensitized to it at this point. But, like, if you're just talking about Steph and you're calling him 30 <laughs> casually on your nerd ass NBA podcast. Like if I started to do this, wow. like I the, would expect the ben you guys Cruz to shots hold
3: continue <laughs> at a ridiculous clip. No. I ben can't would never believe say Ben Cruz is catching all of these strings.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Justin, how do you feel about like QB one? How do you feel about QB one in this uh, discussion Like for, for your Matt Saracen types?
2: Uh, I actually don't mind that because there seems to be a little tongue-in-cheek action going okay. there. Mm-hmm. There's a the complete lack of self-awareness where people, I think, are so deep into covering the league that they actually think they're part of the ecosystem when they are mm. way removed from this entire thing. That like they should not be talking as if they are one of them.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a signaling of insider intimacy and knowledge, mm. Mm. and I am around this team, and therefore I talk like this team. The one that jumped out to me when, when it happens is people who refer to Kyrie Irving as Kai. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a little familiar. That's a little familiar, guys. That's not I don't know about that. <laughs>
3: yeah. Kai, Kai is good. 30 is good, because I've seen it all over the place. How do you feel about cat? for instance call anthony towns cat's fine right that's efficiency that's a nickname. yeah we're that's just saving efficiency. Syllables. Okay, okay so, so i shouldn't call dorian yeah. finney smith dodo no, no. <laughs> that's, that's too much and
0: this is is <laughs> the difference is like you also can't call him dfs because it doesn't like roll off the tongue uh we right. need but well, that's also
3: daily fantasy well, true.
0: But we, we, I can't remember whether it's an acronym or an initialism. I think initialism is the phonetic one. So CAT. Like, we can do CAT, but we can't do DFS. We can't do THJ. I, I'm out on
3: that. <laughs> yeah. No I like 30, though. I, I like you're when people thirty. I enjoy it. It's like... Because it, it reminds me of, you know, going to a high school football game, right? And you don't know every other kid... On the team And you're like Yo 30 is going crazy right now Like 30 is blowing up Every single play That's what it evokes for me This idea of just like These guys out there And we just We just know them by their numbers It's not about the teams And the heritage It's just That dude out there Is just out there Making a play And so that's what it evokes for me So it's kind of hilarious Hearing people say that Even though Steph Curry's one of the most Famous athletes on the planet We can just say his fucking name But um, I'm, I'm amused by that That's That's funny um, does it depend on the
0: number? Like, does it have to... Obviously, you can't say 23 for LeBron. That doesn't make any yeah, sense. D- yeah, don't know? call
3: Luca 7-7. Seven, seven. Nah. 7-7 seven, seven is weird. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> 15 for
0: Nikola Jokic. I, see, it just doesn't work for basically anything but 30, if we're being honest, and barely for 30. Oh, uh, man.
2: W- Waz, why don't you go ahead with one of yours?
3: So... I'm sitting here thinking about NBA things, some of our NBA obligations, and I'm reminded of, um, you know, nothing to announce yet, but The Ringer might be putting together something for All-Star Weekend, something cool for people Mm. to be a part of, if if possible. Nothing to be reminded of. Sounds intriguing. Yeah, but, but then I remembered that it's in Indianapolis. And... Adam Silver's democratization of the All-Star Game is ridiculous. I'm sorry. We want a dictatorship of fun for All-Star Game cities. Back to back to back. And let me just preface this. I was in Salt Lake last year. I met a few locals. Um, It was really cool talking to them and hearing them talk about, like, their city hosting this event and all of these people descending on Salt Lake and this cool thing that was happening, it gave them a sense of civic pride. And it was like a dope thing for the people of Salt Lake City. Like, that was legitimately cool to hear. Like, that gave me a warm feeling to hear people from Salt Lake talk about what was happening. You're talking about
2: them. Like they're they're on the planet of the apes, <laughs> like, like, like these
3: these listen, people don't like your attention. Listen, listen listen, <laughs> so listen, 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 very... Listen, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do this with with these mid tier NBA cities, which the NBA has a lot of mid tier cities, right. But I'm just saying Salt Lake, Cleveland, Indy, back to back to back in the dead of winter in February for an NBA holiday event. It's just like, what are we doing? Stick to the basics. Keep us in LA, Phoenix, Miami. You know, sprinkle a little bit of New Orleans in there. Get some, I might even do the ATL because it's still even cold over there, but we could do some ATL. We talked about Houston being one of the black meccas. Stop. Doing this other shit. I don't want to go to Memphis for All-Star Weekend, (laughs) y'all. I got respect for Memphis as a city. It's a cultural landmark. I get it. You don't got to put my All-Star Weekend there. Even New York is cold as shit. But it's a city that can host things in a way that if you don't get to go to the Kia Sportage party that's being thrown or some (laughs) electronic whatever party that's being thrown, you can go somewhere in New York City with your friends, your colleagues, your whoever, and have a good time during All-Star Weekend. Let's just please... Stick to the basics, we want a monopoly of fun with these all star cities and I got respect for nap town i got I got tons of respect for the mistake by the lake, but like, please, for the love of God, stop doing this to us, Adam Silver, in the league office. Uh, we don't need a democracy of all star destinations i'm 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 done.
0: This is big. <laughs> person in L.A. just looked at flights to Indianapolis and doesn't want to take the red-eye energy. (laughs) Like,
3: like,
2: the connection,
3: I got to connect in Chicago. Like, yo, what?
2: So correct me if I'm wrong. They put it in some of these places in large part because those cities or those teams have funded a stadium refurbishment or they have a new stadium uh, or they put money toward improving things, right? That's typically how this works. Hmm. I think there's kind of a payoff for there's a there's a lot of political
0: factors involved in terms of trying to support certain cities, certain markets, trying to draw certain attention to certain places. But yes, teams that have invested in their infrastructure, I think, do get some prioritization, which maybe there's something to be worked there where if you accept X percentage of your new arena and public funding, maybe you don't get the all star game. Maybe you need to privately finance your arena to get the right to host this thing and benefit from it as much as these these teams will, or or maybe I'm thinking about that backwards. Maybe the maybe the idea of like bringing the All Star Game to Indianapolis or Salt Lake City or Cleveland is such a boon for the entire city. Maybe there's some trade off. I'm with you though, Waz. Like I feel like maybe we should have just a cast of of six rotating cities. We don't mostly. need more than six. Mostly warm weather places. And honestly, I'm open-minded as to the size of those cities. I don't even think they need to be enormous. But can we not be in in the dead of winter? Listen, I would be fine with
3: going to Orlando. Sure. I'm not completely against going to Orlando. We could have a great all-star weekend in the city of Orlando. Like, it's, you know, thankfully we don't have a market in Jacksonville. It's not a Jacksonville. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously it's not Miami. We get it. But, like, it's a perfectly fine whole city. The weather will be suitable. Everybody will be able to have a good time to celebrate the league, celebrate our best players, have a great time, right? Um, bruh, don't send us to Detroit in February, please. (laughs) For the love of God, don't do it to us. That's all I'm asking.
0: And that's a case where it's a big market city, right? Detroit's a big city, but not necessarily optimal for hosting an event like the All-Star Games. Like you need the infrastructure that some of the smaller NBA markets don't quite have in terms of hosting just like a sheer number of people. But then you also want an environment, and I mean like a literal climate, that is amenable to being in in February. I, I don't think that's too much to ask. Having said
2: all that, please come out to Indianapolis for All-Star Weekend. We might be here.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: thanks. Um,
0: Rob, do you want to go again? Yes. Actually, free throws are good. Hmm. Mm. You know, there comes a point in every season where we, as a basketball society... Decide we are too good for free throws. We want to get rid of the
3: free throw. We want to get
0: rid of them. Some star (laughs) is getting a ton of them. This was a huge talking point earlier this week or or late last week. I'm not fuzzy on the timing when uh, Joel Embiid went off against the Wolves. 17 free throws in that game, I believe. We need to stop shaming great scores for doing what the game incentivizes them to do. And I understand that watching collectively 70 free throws in a game is not a great product from an entertainment standpoint but it's always been part of the game. And the idea of devaluing someone like Embiid or Giannis or Jimmy Butler, whoever you want to think about as being like in the top of the free throws or free throw per minute kind of rankings because they do this when the game wants them to do this. What's the point? Like if you're upset about this stuff, change the rules. And until we do that, relax. And come to enjoy the grift as I have. Because it's it's honestly enjoyable to watch if it can be frustrating for the guys who are getting fouls called on them.
2: I think, like some of the other things we've talked about, fouls have a PR problem. Because the way we talk about them now is that they're a way to grift the game. You yes. manufacture fouls you go and work the refs in order to get to the free throw line it's just kind of the flip side of this mori ball bullshit where yes it's efficient and it leads to productive basketball but we've gotten to the point where guys are now basing a lot of what their game is around and what we talk about is good basketball our guys ability to draw fouls whether or not they are warranted or not. Ben Matherin, for instance, draws a lot of fouls, and you can see clearly he has built a lot of his game around that aspect and it leads to good efficient basketball. But it does get a little unseemly at a certain point where you're like, oh, these guys are kind of trying to work outside the bounds of the rule book in order to get an edge. But I, I tend to agree with you. If if it's there, guys should continue to go for it.
0: Yeah, I don't even think it's outside the bounds of the rule book. I think it's in the rule book. And we've seen changes sure. over time, like with the rip through, for example, when the league wants to weed out certain kinds of behavior, it's pretty successful in doing it on the court. So if if it were really important to the league office or to the officials to take away some of the foul baiting that's been happening, then it would happen or it would have already happened. But I agree with you, maybe it's on us. It's incumbent on us to embrace this marketing challenge. Because what is a foul drawer, Justin? but a job creator. Someone who is giving time for the broadcast to read some ads, for the fans in the arena to go get a hot dog. We're moving money around. We're stimulating the economy every time we go to the free throw line.
3: Yeah, I'm... right there. (laughs) I I have a bias um, in this subject as somebody who, in my own very mediocre playing career, could not put the ball in the ocean from the Titanic. However... You know, I could get to the rack a little something, something, draw some contact. I had some slasher to my game. Some might even compare me to a well. You know, a, you know, just okay. a, a, a straight up, a downhill <laughs> okay. type of attacker. Some might even say that. But so, I'm all for that. If a guy gets to the rack. And he's amongst the freaking trees and he gets raked on his forearm. I'm sorry. He earned that goddamn free throw. Yes. You know, and, and like, he should, like, yeah. And a dude that's living at the line because he's getting in the paint. Hell yeah. he. he I don't care how many. He get 40 free throws. Watching a guy do that, I'll never get tired of that. Um, seeing, you know, the best athletes in the world not being able to stay in front of a dude. And so he's getting to the cup and they have no choice but to foul him. I'm all for that. Where it gets murky for me is the sort of Lou Williams type sure. of foul drawing where it's like it's in the mid range. And as soon as you feel anything on your rib, you just chuck something up and you get two free throws. That's where I'm just like, eh, I don't know if we should be rewarding that with free throws. You know what I mean? That's That's where it gets a little bit like, man, I'm willing to watch as many free throws as possible. Because it's like, yo, when Shaq will go to the line 25 times, it's because Arvita Sabonis couldn't do anything with him. You know what I mean? Scott Pollard couldn't do anything with him. They had to foul him. And so I never had a problem watching people go to the line for those reasons.
0: And that's why Joel is such a lightning rod in these conversations, because he's both of those things. He's both, yes. He's
3: Shaq and Lou Williams. (laughs) And so
0: it's not surprising that he's at the top of the free throw attempts rankings right now. But as I was saying, like him, Giannis, Jimmy Butler, those are guys who play inside a lot. And Tom Ziller pointed out in his newsletter something I thought which was important, which is even if you take away all the free throws this season... Joel moves from number one in scoring to number two in scoring. Like only Luka Doncic jumps over him if you take away all of his free throws. So I, Joel has been one of the best players in the league this season. Maybe the MVP to date. Incredibly impressive. Incredibly productive for a very surprising team that we're having a negative conversation about him in December when he's been this dominant because he shot 17 free throws. I don't know. Well, Seems pretty good why. to shoot 17 free throws. <laughs> why, why is it happening then? It's it's the Jokic
2: truthers, my friends. Are out yeah.
3: there.
2: You're, you're, you're. You no, sound like a Jokic pro- truther in <laughs> the other direction at this point. <laughs> <It's a> different <laughs> way. No, I, I, it's probably backlash to him winning it last year. Is probably what it, or just like the playoff stuff and, and whatnot. No, but I think you, you bring it, up a good but point. But guess
3: what? The foul Griffin doesn't work in the playoffs. It didn't work, it, is, it hasn't worked for Harden. Hasn't worked for Lou Will. When Joel is getting fouled, it's because he's getting fouled the Shack way. It's not because he's doing this nonsense on the perimeter. So, like, have fun with it while you can, but you can't count on that stuff in the
1: postseason.
2: And the, and the big guys doing it is a nice counterbalance to the way the league is kind of trending because everything is moving out to the three-point arc and having guys being able to go inside and draw those fouls is a nice counterbalance there. It's like the the big man that we're kind of undergoing subtly in the league where teams are stacking up with big players is as much to do with big men coming into the league more skilled, more able to shoot. And so it's not about smaller guys who are shooting. It's just like it's kind of balanced out. Nature has readjusted to this new thing. Uh, but it's also because of guys like that taking advantage of a spread-out court, being able to pound guys into the post and and, and draw fouls and get these buckets that way.
0: Yeah. Ultimately, it's a skill. It's a different kind of skill. It's one that I agree with you, Justin, can can feel unseemly in volume. But it's a skill that the rules encourage. And so long as that's the case, I think we should treat it like any other skill.
3: While while yeah. we're on this... um. And it's related to this. This is something I noticed uh, in season tournament and you know, just watching the, the um Julius Randle have a field day against the Bucks that this other game, it's like they're just billy clubbing people with their forearm when they get to the paint at certain points. Like, and I'm not a block charge person. I hate that rule. I think we should get rid of it. I think most of those shit should be no calls. If anything, they should just be regular fouls on the defense for not giving a a normal fucking contest, like that we got taught in preschool. Um, but like Julius Randle and Giannis and some other people, they get to the basket and they literally just hit people. With their freaking off arm. It's craziness. It's like sumo wrestling damn near down there at times. And like that shit, they need to figure out something to do with that. These guys are strong enough to get into people's chest and rise and try to score and create some level of separation. But the separation they're g- generating by assaulting defenders is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of off-arm combat. And in general, I think defenders should be allowed to do more. I think the rules and the refereeing style should permit more contact for defenders. But I think we need to raise that line before we start pointing fingers at the players who are exploiting it.
2: What do you think Draymond's trying to do? He's trying to take a stand for defenders (laughs) Uh, by completely suplexing them into the heart.
3: Draymond. There is something to that, though,
0: about like the space era of the NBA, now that offenses are so spread out, there's so much room to drive. It does lead to a lot more dangerous contact. Like a lot, more, whether it's off arms, like full on shoves with a guy like Giannis, for example, who can create the momentum he does. Even if you're planning to stand there and take a charge, that is a hit. That is a different kind of hit because of the space that is allowed players in the modern NBA. And so you're getting either dangerous offensive contact where they're creating a lot of it or desperate defensive contact where guys are flying in from out of position to try to stop a layup or a dunk and basically like horse-collaring guys. And I don't know what the solution for that is other than to allow a bit more contact on the perimeter to prevent some of these like clear blow Because right now, if you're a defender, you can't touch anybody at the three-point line because... Right now, the the grifters or the foul creators or the economic stimulators, they know how to exploit all those things. So you have to be extremely careful and it's leading to a lot of dangerous contact on the back line.
2: Um we should probably start wrapping this up here. Rob, do you have any more you want to get to before we, we shut it off?
0: That's about as much negativity as I've got. <laughs>
2: okay. Wow, you need to you need to get those numbers up here. You need those Joel Embiid follow drawing numbers. Um <laughs> I want to do one that's topical here, which is that Christmas Day jerseys have just completely disappeared from this earth. And now Mm. there were recent photos that were circling around the Internet of, of how many bad decisions we've had in recent years. And there was the one where they put, I think it was like their Twitter handles on on the back of the jersey or the first names. Jesus Christ. There was definitely first names. I think the Twitter handle thing was Bring was back the something Jesus different.
3: Shuttlesworth, please. Something. Do something different. <laughs> Be more creative than the damn your yeah, at name. Come on. Promoting your Instagram. That's what we doing?
2: Yeah, the, the first names were it was like Blake. For Blake Griffin was really, really bad. Uh, we don't need to do that. We don't need the sleeves. But there were some like nice little little flourishments during the Christmas Day games where it was like, oh, this like old school script that looks like it's from it's a wonderful life or something like that. Like, we have so many dumbass jerseys nowadays that I mean, each team probably has four or five or six at this point. We can't come up with something special for the NBA's marquee event of the regular season uh, in order to just like add a little bit more flavor to these games. Bring back the Christmas Day jerseys is what I say. God damn it. I like that. A, Don't
3: bring back the jerseys, though. Leave those in no the jerseys. past to die. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Don't bring I back, back the, the jerseys. we did that.
2: Like, that wasn't that long ago. And I remember at the time, everyone's like, we're really doing this? And then we kept doing this for a couple of years. So the point where, like, there were shooters, like Steph and whatnot, who were complaining, like, that they were too restricted.
0: They were yeah. ripping the jersey. Like, LeBron is in the right, NBA LeBron. finals, like, in those jerseys, I feel like. There's photos of that. It's it's wild to think about. But now all I can imagine in my head is a Steph Curry jersey with the number 30 that also has 30 written 30. above it.
3: 30. In <laughs> words. Or hashtag yeah. three zero. Yeah, 30. Yeah, let's do it. He let's do go. It. I have another uniform related gripe. Um, and I'm realizing that I'm just getting more. I'm just getting more dad vibes as I grow up. I, I don't even, I'm not even a dad. I don't have any kids, but I just Damn. get, I'm, I, I refuse to let a world war II content come on my <laughs> Netflix or anything and not watch it. Like I I, I can't, that, that world war two in the front lines in color. I just finished that series. I don't know why I just, my, my hand just automatically said play on that. I like, I just, I'm, <laughs> I'm rewatching band of brothers. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's Ken Burns season was <laughs> the the, the sure. dad vibes are di- d- ridiculous, but yo, why can't we just bring back the home whites? What's so bad about that? What what was so bad about that setup with the home whites? Now you just wear whatever the hell you want. You don't know who's at home, who's not. I like the symmetry and the understanding of, yo, yeah, that team is at home, blah, 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 blah. This is that. It's just like, why are we doing this? And another thing, they took away basically all restrictions from sneakers and now guys can just wear, like, the most color clashing. It don't even have to make no damn sense. They can just wear it and, like, bring back the restrictions, y'all. This, they, they, we gave them the freedom. We gave them the rope. And they hung themselves. I'm sorry. They look crazy. Get them out of here. Bring back my old rules. Bring back the home whites. Dad vibes. Let's go. This is the American disease
0: was we say we love (laughs) traditionalism, but what we really love is churning out new shit and trying to like propagate growth. And this circles back to what you were talking about, Justin, with the Christmas jerseys. We kept trying to reinvent the wheel. That script font that was like perfectly candy cane, normal team colors, normal like design, but just change the font for like a more festive occasion. We nailed it. We stop. You did it. (laughs) That's the jersey from now going forward. Stop. But we have to keep changing it. We have to keep reinventing it until we run it into the ground so much that now we don't even want to do it anymore. And it's the same with all the jerseys we're rolling out now, all the variety to the point that like no team has any universal design scheme. No sense of, you're right, was by like who is home and who is road based on what they're wearing. Why do why did we get rid of these things? They worked so well. See, I don't really go that far with with
2: the home whites and whatnot. I actually love a color versus color clash is is what it's typically called in the uni watch sphere of things like in college football, for instance, where it's like USC, UCLA and it's red versus that like powder blue like that's good shit there. And like, honestly, we have such ostentatious court designs at this point. You kind of know where you are regardless. So like this whole argument, like, oh, I don't know who's home and who's not like,
3: who cares? You know, I care. Tradition, <laughs> Justin, have some respect for it. Tradition, yeah, the, si- the silent majority will prevail in this country. <laughs> I promise you. Tradition, we
2: just culture across the Heat's jersey on on Christmas Day, but in a fanciful, like Christmassy design. That's what we need. That's all we can ask for. All right, I'm bringing Mietz back in here Aww, because we need to sign off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, i can't believe we get paid for this um all right <laughs> that is it for us we'll be back i believe next wednesday for kind of like a new year's end of year wrap up uh thank you to ben cruz thank you to brian waters for filling in on production Salute merry christmas to, to everyone to waters, happy Hanukkah! Yeah. happy kwanzaa every other thing that you guys are going to be celebrating over the next couple of days uh we'll see you in a couple of days